Hello and welcome to A Pinch of Magic podcast with me, Rebecca Anuwin. So today I am delighted to be joined by Sabrina Scott. If you don't follow her Instagram, you have to go and check it out right now. The notes, the link will be in the show notes because she is one of my favourite people to follow on Instagram. And I follow quite a few people. Real and raw, I think, is the conversation how we're going to go today. We were talking about, oh, what should we talk about? Because there's so much magic, witchcraft, books, publishing, cattiness, the whole works. So who knows where we're going to go on this conversation. But welcome, Sabrina. Thank you so much. I'm absolutely ecstatic to be here. <laughs> I was saying, we've been trying to plan this for a while, but the universe has had its moments and it seems quite fortuitous, actually, that we're talking now because actually this is something that I'm very curious about because my own book is coming out soon, is that you have taken the rights back from one of your books to reclaim the authority and to move forward. And I think when I when I follow you on Instagram, not that I'm stalking, I promise. Um, <laughs> if you are, it's totally cool. <laughs> in a really healthy, love, loving way, I promise. Um, what I love about your content is it's very much about doing things your way and breaking out of maybe like the traditional ways of doing things and not like pigeonholing people in. So what has, I mean, um, when I first heard about you, it was through the Modern Craft book, which was through a traditional publisher. You've also got another book, but I think you have a previous one too, don't you? So what has been your experience and what drove you to write books? Yeah. Oh my God. I don't even know where to start with this. I feel like there's so many <laughs> different directions I could go in, but I do have two books out now. So mm. just to kind of give people the the background story for those who don't know me. So my first book is called Witch Body. It actually started off being self-published originally and then I got worldwide distribution and like nominated for a bunch of awards 100% by myself and then it got picked up by Wiser which everyone Mm -hmm. knows Wiser so that's where that one has kind of been chilling ever since but what was really great about getting published with them obviously like everyone knows Wiser Mm. in the English-speaking occult world but also they didn't change anything yeah they agreed to not change a single word, any of the design. Like I had full control over everything. And that is pretty much my MO. It's like, if I don't have full control, then <laughs> it's not on. Yeah. And so I was able to kind of parlay that into getting a literary agent who I'm no longer working with and a book deal with Penguin, one of the biggest publishers like wow. on the planet. Yeah. So what you were kind of alluding to is I walked away from Penguin. I broke up with the whole ah, thing. I didn't like, know which publishing way. house you had walked away from. I just knew that yeah. you had like claimed your book back, so to speak. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I decided to walk away from it all and just, as you said, go, kind of go my own way and just self-pub and do my own thing. Mm. And so it's been a crazy journey. So I've seen the publishing world from so many different angles now, like yeah. self-publishing with like a risograph type of style of printing and now self-publishing publishing through Amazon, which everyone hates Amazon. But as a self-published writer, I'm like, actually, this is it gives amazing. access, doesn't it? It's amazing yeah. for so many reasons. And I just want to like scream it from the rooftops. I think everyone should be published on Amazon. Like, to be honest, I was really resistant at first, but now I'm like, mm. I drank the Kool-Aid, like Jeff Bezos, cheers to him. Like I'm, I'm about it. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's interesting watching people change because I mean, 
<laughs> I've been around for a little while now. And I have watched how people's like when people used to self-publish, they're like, oh, you must be rubbish because you can't get like mm-hmm. a deal. And now yeah. people are like, actually, I don't want to work for some of the publishing houses because the hoops are making you jump through or they're not looking for quality of work. They're looking for reach of the person Absolutely. writing. And so they're missing out on a lot of really great writing because of it. And so I don't know. I just think it's very interesting how the, the, that side of like Absolutely. creativity doesn't have to be like hemmed in anymore. It can be you know, even with social media, absolutely, it has its horribleness. Absolutely. But people yeah. can show up and find their group, as it were. It's fascinating. It's fascinating. Like, honestly, I don't think that Wiser or anyone else would have even been interested in Witch Body if it hadn't gotten so much mm. success by itself. Yeah. Like, so, I feel like, like a lot of publishers, they don't want to take a risk on something that mm. is so out there and so new and so unique, like, which is why what you see in the kind of witchy publishing space at the moment not to totally talk shit but it's like a lot of these books are just same same it's like the same boring list of correspondences like just kind of colored by numbers and there's 20 bazillion books like that and it makes me sad is there's so many more interesting innovative voices in the space yes absolutely i was talking to someone the other day and i was like oh i would be shunned by traditional magic Mm -hmm. makers because the my whole premise of witchcraft or magic or however you want to frame it is you have to find a way that works for you and you talk to correspondences and it might be that mint means this traditionally but you hate the smell of mint so please don't use it because you're going to be adding that disgust to your magic absolutely absolutely yeah and I sometimes feel like a broken record because people ask me a question and I'm like what do you think what works for you and it's like back to you people absolutely (laughs) i recently reread my new book that just came out curse and cure to kind of like make sure i could get all the typos which have now been corrected i just (laughs) re-uploaded that last night so hooray but one of i kind of uh reading it was like oh my god i just keep telling people like to follow what they feel and it's i felt a bit cheesy reading after a certain point but i kind of had to remind myself like most witchy books don't actually remind people of that often enough yeah it becomes this kind of like rote as you just said like do this do that without actually reminding people that the whole point or at least part of the point is that personal relevance and that personal library of meaning Mm. that makes each of our magic actually work like in some cultures or some symbols or whatever people think that owls are like a portent of death and like evilness but like i love owls personally so that symbol came up for me i would interpret it so differently than someone for whom it means something completely different and they both there's space for both of us yes it's kind of thing that i wish more people realized (laughs) and i think that's one of the key things i take away from your work is that there is space for everybody. It's like, if you don't like me and my ideas, keep moving, people. Find Absolutely. someone that you do resonate with. So what has been your experience on the online space with that? Let's call yeah. it like acceptance or like, I don't agree with you, so I'm going to yeah. shout at you instead yeah. of just taking my business elsewhere. You know what? It's interesting because like I didn't actually set out to be like a leader on the internet. Like it kind of mm. happened by accident a little bit. And so aren't they I the would, best ways though? Yeah. Rather than being contrived. So. Yeah. Because it's like I kind of feel like if I knew 
I was going to end up here, I probably would have chosen some kind of like fun, like pen name or something to kind of keep that separation. But what I started doing instead is just using a different name in like real life than what is my actual name. Like, to oh. kind of, but then that's like my personal <laughs> name. It's yeah, super yeah. weird. But anyway, um, <laughs> back to your question. So I feel like the reason why like my audience kind of started building and I'll, I'll get to what your question actually mm. is kind of the backstory because I never really felt like I belonged anywhere in the witchy community. Like I felt like my ideas, no one really was vibing with. I was saying things that a lot of people were not happy about. Ooh, and like what? We'll come to that like in a moment. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Like what? <laughs> um, oh geez. So many things like the idea that like, you know, trash is sacred or like being in the middle of downtown can be just as magical as being in the middle of a forest. Yeah, like the idea that you know, like a lot of people are very into like initiation being the only way to practice. I'm like, that's totally be- like BS and mm. like dualistic ideas about gender and divinity and like the eight Wiccan holidays that now a lot of people just see as witchy holidays. Like, I don't care about any of that shit. Mm. But it's in most witchy books, even the ones that are not Wiccan. So it's like a lot of this kind of taken for granted and people don't realize like that they're just kind of like mixing stuff around. But I kind of didn't resonate with most of the kind of typical conversation. And so I just started talking online about how I felt my ideas about this and that and it kind of just grew organically by accident um to create kind of my own community I suppose of people who vibe with what it is I happen to be spouting at any particular time but I find it's weird it's like I find the witchy community online it's like people it's it's there's so many different sides of it like some of it is so amazing like as you were saying it's like there's you know people who resonate with whatever it is yeah. find each other which is so beautiful and so amazing and like i love the internet for that that it brings people together from completely different walks of life and different segments of the world who are connected through their interest in this or that like i think that's amazing and that's beautiful but on the flip side you see a lot of like people chasing clout or just being interested in me or whoever else and becoming friends in order to ride the coattails. And like, Mm. as soon as, you know, someone gets canceled or whatever, then we all pretend that like, whatever. And it's, who are they? It's very interesting. Like not to, I'm not going to name names, but like there is someone who I kind of clocked very early as a total faker, like Charlotte and like did not clearly did not know what she was talking about at all. Um, And that person, and I kind of like told some of my friends at the time, like, you know, I would really be wary of, you know, this this individual, like, you know, do what you want. But that person was gaining so much popularity that a lot of people just went along with it Mm. in order to also elevate their name. Now that person has had their book deal canceled (laughs) and Ah. everyone kind of stepped away and was like, oh, I never knew about that. Like, I didn't see any of those red flags. And so to me, all of that is just, that's not what community is about. Like, it's just so cynical. Yeah. Like people are, you know, clout chasing or doing cliques or whatever, like to be like the biggest kid in this tiny sandbox of like the witchcraft community on the internet. Like, I think it's easy to forget how niche we really are. And <laughs> you know what I mean? I it's like, absolutely. Kind of forget. 
Yeah. It's bizarre. I remember one time I was at this really cool witchy conference in Sussex in England. And I was chatting with um, a guy there who was a pretty well-known occult author and he mm-hmm. didn't know who I was. Um, and it was clear that he was like, I don't want to talk to this person. Like she clearly is a nobody. And like, I didn't really, I didn't, I didn't correct him. Yeah. But, yeah. Like, I was just kind of like, okay, true colors. Thing. Thank you very much. It was yeah. very interesting. But I asked him like, Oh, so this is your full-time work. And he was like, Oh no, like I wax women's legs. That's my job. And I was just like, I thought that was hilarious. Not that there's anything wrong with mm. waxing women's legs, but it's like the ways that people build up their ego in certain ways and don't check themselves and are engaging in community, whether that's in person or online, kind of for the wrong reasons. Yeah. If you know what I mean, like to to show off, to feel better than other people, to, you know, hold sway over other people, all of that stuff. Like to me, that's not really what it's about at all. Like it's it's not about that. It's about like personal expression. It's about connection, like genuine relationships. It's about like challenging the status quo, like innovating. Like, I'm so curious to see what people who disagree with me about whatever, like, what do they create? What Mm. do they write? Like, totally. Like, let's do it. Like, let's stop doing the same shit a million times. Like, let's build this. build and grow and have that creative energy, isn't it? Because I don't know whether I'm just being cynical, but there does seem to be this energy on the internet and like, say, within communities, instead of going oh, that's interesting that you think like this. This is actually what I think. Yeah. And finding out whether there's a conversation to be had. Instead, it's like, you're wrong because I think this and everything else. And it's just like this becomes this huge thing. Yeah. And I've all, I don't know, I just love that idea of curiosity and growth. And Absolutely. one of the things I wrote in my book, I said, this works for me at the moment. I'm not going to tell you to do it this way because it might not work for, it might not work for you because your situation's, everything is different but equally it might not work for me in two in two years time absolutely and we seem to almost get so I don't know like cemented into our ideas that that's it we're married to it for the rest of our lives rather than thinking for me as a person I believe that we create we learn we grow I'm not the same person I was 10 years ago five years ago even this time last year Absolutely. And thank God for that. How awesome is that? How awesome (laughs) is that? Amazing. It's amazing. And like, I think it's so strange. I do feel like growth is so important in everything. Mm. And unfortunately, like we do see things kind of calcify in some that's parts a better word community. than concreting in <laughs> thank but you no, it's, I mean, it's the same name whatever yeah, yeah, like, name. Why, much clearer <laughs> same thing. But yeah, but yeah. Like, yeah it's it's just really interesting but I feel like for a lot of people like that calcification it it creates this false sense of safety mm. if you know what I mean and it's yeah. so like they kind of cling to like oh this is how it it is this is how it's always been this is how it is in this book so therefore you know you're wrong and you're evil or whatever and it's you know, we also see this with like the social justice internet, which is a big problem in North America, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> I don't know how it is everywhere, but I think it's kind of bled to be a global problem uh, due to the stuff in North America. But you do see this kind of a calcification of whatever it happens to be. Yeah. Like this solidification where if you ask any kind of question about anything, or challenge the perspective a little bit, then there is this like backlash and it becomes very tribalist. 
and this like us versus them like essentialism of like oh you're a so you must be b therefore you're evil and that's very in between yeah, yeah it's like a very medieval like way of being in the world like i'm sure any historian listening to this is going to be like well no it's actually like slightly a different era which I gladly take that criticism, but my point is that it's it's a weirdly outdated kind of tribalist way of engaging. Like it's not cosmopolitan, it's not a global, international, contemporary way of engaging, in my opinion. Like rely on tribalism. And that's a weird like us versus them. It's like oversimplification of humanity. Yeah. And you know, looking across the Atlantic. There's definitely an us versus them. And then I look closer to home and I'm like, oh, we just had Brexit and France got seriously close to having a different political system too. And, you know, it is very much, if you're not with me, you're against me energy rather than what can we learn from each other? What what is the way that we navigate forward? The world isn't going to go back to, you know, isolation hopefully hopefully we're going to have the internet and everything else that connects us please um you know because i think that is such an incredible expression but we still trying to pretend that there are right and wrong and and that's it there's like two sides to every coin and it's like actually there's hundreds of versions of history of events of even truth um and i just i just wonder where that's going to take us yeah, I wonder too. I'm curious about all of that. And like, I do believe in like reality. I do believe that like, <laughs> I do believe, of course, like the many truths situation, but I also do believe like some things are just incorrect. Yes. And so I'm I'm sometimes also like, I don't want to be too relativistic because I don't mm. think that's a solution either. Like, I do think it's important to be firm about some stuff, but it's like knowing what and where and when to be really firm about particular things and then when to maybe be open to that conversation. And I think that's something that, you know, of course, like we see that in witchcraft community because it's just a tiny like microcosm, macrocosm of the rest of society. And we're just seeing these kind of squabbles play out in our own little sandbox and they're happening globally as well. So it's fascinating. <laughs> Wherever there's people, there's drama. I fully oh, we love we love a good story, that. don't we? And, I think it, sorry. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say like one of the things that was really important to me to include in this new book Curse and Cure is a chapter on human connection and like connecting mm. with humans. So my work is like all about connecting with objects and like collaborating with like plants and incense and rocks and whatever. But I also wanted to specifically talk about like human collaboration with other humans. Like what does that look like? What does that bring up for us? And I think sometimes people are so desperate to connect that they don't pay attention to like so many different red flags or like weird group dynamics and like mob mentality and all of this stuff that is ultimately very unhealthy way to engage with other people. So I wanted that to be in there because I don't know like any books other than maybe some stuff that Starhawk wrote back in like the 70s or 80s or whatever mm. that even mentions like interpersonal drama within witchy groups. Like I think it's just so important to talk about. Yeah, that's I love that. Actually. It brings me around to something that you wrote about in um, The Modern Craft was like witchcraft really is about relationships. 
mm-hmm. and you know relationship with ourself but also mirrored in relationship with like you say objects and correspondences that you're working with for want of a better term now when I did um, some priestess training with a lady called Molly Reema who I think is very much influenced by Starhawk mm. she was talking about online communities as opposed to real in-person communities mm-hmm. and she says there's no question that in-person communities are harder because you get mm-hmm. warts and all the dynamics of people is very different when you're with someone for two hours for five hours for a whole day than if you're online with someone and you can like like you say just gloss over some of the things that maybe you don't like or maybe it's only half an hour and maybe you've got your best best show on you know no one's waiting to do the washing the cups at the end of the ceremony or to peel the candle wax off the carpet and so I think there is I feel a bit I guess not torn but I love my community that I'm with in online some of the people I've met in person, some I haven't, but I've known them for a long time and they feel like genuine friends. And yet I'm also aware that it's not quite the same as, you know, having someone in your house, hugging them in like, you know, talking about who's making the cup of tea. So again, with anything, it is that balance, isn't it? But yeah. How do you, how do you navigate that? Well, do you agree with that statement though, that in person is harder? Cause I actually don't think that I do. I think they're hard in different ways. Because like online, I think they're more nuanced in person. It's interesting, right? And I think that actually makes it a bit easier in person in Mm. some ways because of that humanity is like right in front of you. I think I'm talking about like more intimate connections online rather than just like you know people that post a comment on a Facebook post or something. You know, like oh yeah, you know that's that's quite an easy thing. It's interesting. Um, I feel like sometimes online, like that abstraction causes people to feel comfortable saying things that they would never say to someone in person, like ever. They would like never even behave that way. But does that bother you? Or can you just say, who is that random person? Or do you actually go, oh, actually, I don't like, I mean, obviously I suppose it's different if if it's one person and an entire collection of people coming. Yeah, you know what? I think it depends. Like, so I've had for the past few years now, like a group coaching kind of community component mm. of my online courses, one for tarot, one for magic. And I would say 95% of the time, it's been absolutely like fantastic, mm. like no problems. But that extra 5%, have I kicked people out? Absolutely. Yeah. It doesn't happen very often. Um, but, you know, I do believe in moderation. I do believe in boundaries and Mm. I don't believe anything goes. And so, yeah, like, like with an in-person group or with an online group, I do believe like there is an importance to gatekeeping and boundaries and I don't like entitlement anywhere, but it's like, we even see this in, in person, like witchy community Mm. too, is like one of my big criticisms of a lot of these like witchy communities in person is often they don't do a good enough job like upholding certain standards of behavior and so i'm sure you've heard like you know random famous witchy authors were like abusing children or like Mm. being sexual predators and you know people in the community were just like oh don't worry about so-and-so he's just a bit strange or he's just kind of quirky or he's just whatever and people turn a blind eye because people don't want to, whether it's online or in person, often don't yeah. want to be the heavy. They don't want to moderate. 
because moderation, it's not fun. No one likes you. Yeah. Does not make you friends, but it creates a bit of a safer environment for everybody, whether that's online or in person. I shared this before on a previous podcast, but um, I did. I've done uh, several priestess trainings, and one of them was in Glastonbury in the UK. Oh shit! And, that's cool. Mm, wow. Well, or maybe not cool at all. Never mind. It sounds very cool, and everyone <laughs> across every, everybody not in the UK would be like, "Oh my god, that's so exciting!" And you know, I genuinely thought it was, and it was very, very good, until because <laughs> when I signed up, it wasn't actually held at the goddess temple in um or the goddess house in glastonbury it got moved to there by the person that was doing the training and at the end of the training they asked me to sign a form so i could like do ceremony at the goddess house and be part of their community and i was reading through it which is very unlike me actually not the best attention (laughs) to detail and it was that it was when harvey weinstein was just you know the Me Too movement had just started and it was yeah, like yeah, yeah. I think it was the day afterwards actually when it first came to light and I looked at one of the things and it said something along the lines of and I'm paraphrasing from memory here but it said something along the lines of if you see any bullying you're not to say anything and I went what? I beg your pardon I mean obviously those weren't the exact words but that was the sentiment behind it which I'd kept it on, wow. I probably might even have a copy and I was like I'm sorry, what are we talking about here? And they said, oh, because um, everybody here has gone through all the same level of training. They're all confident to speak up. And I'm like, no, that is not true. Not everyone came in here. Not everyone is leaving with the same level of confidence, self-esteem, knowledge, etc." And they said, well, if you see someone and you think they're being bullied, that's just you projecting. And I've gone, no, I have enough self-awareness to understand when I'm projecting or whether actually something needs to be said. And I said, I have enough knowledge and experience to know whether like, I intervene immediately or whether I have a quiet word with someone afterwards. No, no, you're not to do that because that's just you projecting. And I'm like, you expect me to sign this now? And it's like, absolutely not. But even, I mean, that was maybe like four years ago, five years, four years ago. It's wow. still embedded in systems that hold a lot of gravitas still and it's like that is we have to do better surely and I get that yes of course things might happen and we like project onto them but not when it comes to something like bullying or abuse I'd rather embarrass myself and someone go oh no no Rebecca you got the wrong end of the stick I would much rather that happen than go oh shit I knew that was going to happen but I didn't do anything so why do you think we allow that to happen still yeah, this is a great fucking question. Can I swear on here? Is that I'll cool? put in a, I'll put a warning at the beginning. <laughs> okay. <laughs> she says, sorry, fuck sorry children. <laughs> <laughs> Why do I think that happens? Oh my God, this is such a good question. And like, it's something that I feel is at the core of most things. Like, I really feel like this kind of core human psychology mm. is so crucial for like existence on so many different planes. And it's why... I have a whole chapter talking about this, like with my curse and cure book. Um, and I've got in the book, this like list of questions that I encourage people to ask themselves, like when mm-hmm. they get involved with any kind of spiritual group or coven or whatever, to make sure like, you know, that everything is cool. Like some of those questions are like, are you f- being forced to change your name? Are you being told to distance yourself from friends and family like are you being told this group is the most important behavior yeah it is absolutely yeah Yeah. but we 
we see this um in witchy groups all the time and like the other thing is like is intimacy like not sexual intimacy Mm. but like intimacy in terms of like sharing past feelings of abuse like is that being encouraged as a way to kind of build a bond like is the leadership hot and cold like all of these questions that i really feel like people need to be aware of but back to your question on like why does this keep happening i think there is a desperation to belong yes i think people have this desperation for acceptance and to be honest not to sound like a broken record but i do feel like a lot of the root here is in unresolved childhood trauma because I think oftentimes when people are spiritual seekers and they're looking for a leader or a group, obviously mm. it's not the case for everybody, but a lot of people aren't really aware that what they're really looking for is a renewed experience of what it's like to be a child. Mm. They're looking to, you know, have someone take care of everything for them. They're looking for someone to have all the answers. They're looking for someone that they can rely on no matter what. They're looking for someone to be the provider. They're looking to not have to think or make choices. They're looking to feel like a child with a parent. And And then if it goes wrong, they have a parent to blame. Just thinking about my little eight-year-old. It's your fault, mommy. What did I do? (laughs) You know, but it's just like that response, isn't it? And that's that's really interesting actually because yeah. I hadn't thought of it like that before. Yeah. Because I often talk like you know, I was always the seeker, and yes, even if I look yeah. back and like my childhood, it's like yeah, that would make sense that you were you were wanting that. But the conclusion I came to, which I guess is similar to what you were saying actually, is that mm. what I realised I'd been doing for decades was I had been looking for permission to be me, but I was seeking mm. it from other people. Like, oh, your mm-hmm. astrological chart says this. And I'm like, oh my God, that's perfect. Or your Ayurvedic constitution says this is what you're good for. And I'm like, oh, that's it now. And all of it was good for maybe even a couple of months, maybe even a year. And then it suddenly felt wrong again. And so I'd go off seeking yeah. again. And it's a noble yeah. quest to not take responsibility. Like in my Absolutely. personal experience, it yeah, was yeah, like, yeah. oh, I'm seeking. That's a good thing to do. It's valid. So now I don't have to actually live life and feel the discomfort of it because I can stay in the awe and wonder of the next thing, the next thing might be it. And absolutely. I, and I it, certainly wrote it. Singular it's, like, it. Oh. Yeah. it's so interesting. Yeah, like there, I'm always so skeptical of like this idea of this quest for the singular, like it, the thing mm. that will, you know. So I think often this seeking behavior, and I'm not saying like in your case, but just what I've observed from I don't know, time of doing this shit is like. It, it comes from this lack of self-trust. Yes. Oh, that, that's for, completely where and, mine was coming from. Someone else and, tell me what I'm supposed to do because I don't want for, to take responsibility because I might get it wrong. And then I totally. have to tell my, you know, then I have to pull myself back up again. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And so I feel like as a spiritual teacher, I guess I've kind of started to embrace that term for myself because that's like, guess, like what I do with like my work literally. So I guess I am. But my whole point of what I do is to connect people to trust themselves. Yes. That's the whole point. Like I want to build people's confidence mm. in themselves, in their spiritual skills, in their ability to connect to the energy accurately, to read it accurately. So they have that locus of control and that locus of power in them that is I what absolutely i absolutely agree yeah it's and so- it's, <laughs> i believe it's the only way that we have that inner authority 
is that yeah. when we stop seeking validation outside of ourselves and go, oh, Rebecca says a B means community, but I have anaphylactic shock. That means danger. And I'm like, yes. Again, you, know, you said you said you felt like a broken record, but that's my broken record. I'm like, just because that's what I think, tell me I'm wrong. Tell me you don't agree with me. That's what that's what I'm that's what I want people to do. To say, oh Rebecca, Absolutely. you said this, but I don't agree. And I'm like, oh, okay, tell me more. And it might be exactly because I'm obsessed by charm casting just because again, because we find our own intuitive meanings. It doesn't come with a guidebook. It it, it demands that we go to ourselves, oh, what does this mean to us? And Absolutely. people are often like, oh, tell me what this charm means. I'm like, I can't because it's what it means to you. So you, you said you have yeah. like the two communities and one being the tarot. Is do you use the tarot the same way where people find their own their own mm. connection to their intuition? That's a really good question. Is I actually do believe that, and this is gonna be maybe controversial, maybe not, but I do believe that like symbols in the tarot do have meanings. I yeah. don't believe that people can pick up like I don't know the ten of swords and be like, "You're gonna have the best day ever." <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yes. what planet? Yeah. Like, does that make any sense? So I do believe that like there is a finite meaning like i do think there is a right and wrong meaning mm -hmm. of each tarot card absolutely but within the right correct series of meanings there's a lot of depth there and i think yeah. it it's mostly about discerning which aspect of the card is relevant to that particular person at that time and because i think the tarot is also very contextual it it exists within a particular cultural milieu with particular symbols in the western history of occultism that mean particular things yeah if it was the cross-cultural tarot then maybe that would be a different situation but it is common like within western culture to kind of use that very broadly specifically i would say the biggest contributors to the contemporary tarot would be like english and french innovators and so within that space there is like cultural meanings for certain mm. things and i do think that that just is what it is like it I think with that though the tarot yeah. is a story and you can't go oh let's start off in the middle and have the end and it's like well no this section is this part this chapter of the story and this section is this part yep. of the story and it might Absolutely. be that you happen to notice a bit of red on there and that means that for you but I th yeah I think you know the sword yeah. is a sword yeah. a pentacle is a pentacle in that yeah in in that because Absolutely. you're tapping into the energy of the story archetypes of the story exactly. and they are very not static but you know they're quite stable in what they represent aren't they exactly and I think mm. that's actually part of the power of the tarot and that's actually why if people are not too sure if they should take my tarot course or my magic course first I usually mm. recommend the tarot course because it is so much more concrete it gives them kind yeah. of something to actually grasp onto whereas magic it's like there is a lot of the okay here's a whole series of like questions and until you find your own answer to all of this information and all of these provocations mm. have fun exploring but I'm not going to tell you it must be like this particular way whereas in the tarot I'm much more likely to say well no the three of cups is more of a friendship card than a romance card like that's yeah. just factual because that's the part and of the story yeah exactly exactly yeah. and so I think there is this dance between like I guess that calcification in a way and then the openness and the fluidity like I do like for instance like the cups and the tarot definitely don't mean 
money. (laughs) Like I would say like 90% of the time, like maybe if it's with some other pentacles cards and we're talking about overflow, (laughs) yeah, Yeah, we're talking about overflow and like the emotional impact of making a lot of money. Sure. I could Mm. see that, but if there's no pentacles to be seen anywhere and it's all cups, keep wishing. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. And so it's interesting, right? Because it's on one hand, I do encourage this innovation and like a personal, the like a personal library of symbols and having that specificity. But at the other side of it, it's like, mm. well, let's actually see like what what is the the line of thought behind something symbolizing a particular thing. And I I do think having those explanations it does count for something. Yeah. Because it, it needs to kind of make sense in a way. Like, even if someone's personal correspondence of, like you said, the B is a great mm. example, is different from the typical kind of like, you know, cultural understanding of a B maybe referencing like community and working hard and collaboration and, uh, you know, blah, 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 whatever people want to make bees, you know, mean. And then that person with the allergy, like there's a meaning for that B meaning danger then like there's, yeah. there's a reason for it. There's a logic to it of why this imaginary person would have this reaction. And so I do think keeping connected to those logics, like the why is something that I always encourage people to do if their personal yeah. meaning is like super different. Cause I know in some cultures, for instance, like the color white references death which yeah. makes sense because white is the color of bones. So that makes sense. <laughs> white is a sheet. Yeah. Is he a ghost? That makes sense. Even though in, mm. in the Western context, at least in my particular Western context, I don't associate white with death, but I could see why other cultures and other contexts might make that association. Yeah. So as long as there's that logic of, okay, why, where does this symbol come from? rather than just the memorizing yeah no no I I, yeah I like that you've added that piece then about like just not memorizing and for me Mm. I I think you know I've practiced this therapy called kinesiology for like 25 Mm. years now and whenever I teach anything I'm like you have to learn the rules because then you can break them because then if it goes a bit wonky you can come back to the rules again because you know them it's like create that foundation So you might go, oh, yeah, B means hive mind. Oh, actually, I've had anaphylactic shock now. Oh, perhaps that means just and just checking in with yourself. Oh, is this still hive mind community or is it a warning? And it's like your Mm. own. Again, it's just coming back to yourself, isn't it? It's like, how do I feel about this card right now or this this charm right now? Because charm casting is very different from the tarot. But yeah, I think with the tarot is because it's that that's it's the whole story it's that story of life that it does have to go through those series and of course you might draw in different parts and different days but yeah it's like we do need the structure as much as I would love to be completely free of everything I actually find great comfort and familiarity however I say that word um with the structure but then I know I can move away from it and have something to come back to which brings me then how did you first get started in tarot and witchcraft and magic? Which came first? Oh God, I don't know. Um, I've been doing this shit for way too long. Um, <laughs> like honestly, it started when I was like eight years old, if mm-hmm. not earlier. I was. I'm such a Sagittarius. I've always been like obsessed with religion, spirituality, mm. philosophy. Like that has always been 
my happy place. Like I've always been wildly philosophical and coming up with like my own spiritual cosmologies of like, how do I believe that this whole spiritual thing works? So that's a big component of it. Um, so one way to easily access that, of course, was like tarot and oracle cards when mm. I was a kid. And what so was that your was first deck? Can you remember? Yeah, it was the Celtic Dragon Tarot by mm. DJ Conway. And actually, I still have that deck and no one else has ever laid a finger on it. It's like, I've been super strict with that one. (laughs) Yeah, it's like, no one can touch this. This is my thing. But I don't really read with it. The decks that I do read with, I'm like, whoever touches it, I don't give a shit. It's Mm. it's just, you know, it's different energy. But I also grew up in something called spiritualism. And so that means I was exposed to things like mediumship and and possession and all like energy healing and all of that stuff when I was very young. And so that was how I learned energy work. And that's why energy work has always been the foundation of my practice and also how I teach magic. Mm. I think to me, the energy work is like, that's the pillar of everything. And I think it is what is missing from a lot of people's practice is actually knowing how to feel energy, how to do stuff with it, how to channel it. Yes. So, but it's interesting. because I think that's also a very, like Western specific um, way of understanding magic as well. So, oh, do you? It could be because you know what? And I probably am talking out of turn here, but I practiced a few times with um, some folks working in uh, a Santeria context. And there is an awareness of energy, but it was more about actions, it was more about we're making this food we're wearing this and we're doing that like there was you know it was and that's of course my experience with this is incredibly limited so i'm sure someone's going to listen to this and be like well in my group we you Mm. know it's it's like that's awesome love it but speaking with a particular like limited context i have what i thought was so interested interesting about that experience those series of experiences was how it was it was just very different way of approaching ritual than what we usually see in Western magic, like we see like, you know, cast the circle of protection mm. and call the quarters and, you know, do the thing. But there was like none of that in the group that I was kind of hanging out with for a short time just to kind of see how they were doing things and to spend time and experience that. And so that might have been a difference that was specific to this group. I'm not sure. Yeah. Uh, this particular person who was leading it, but it was interesting. Like there was no emphasis on that whatsoever. It was just like, do this, do that. How like, did that change your experience of the process? It was just so interesting. Like I just found it fascinating because like I can talk shop with like Western magic folks, even mm. if they don't do what I do. Like I love talking with like the chaos magicians, like the Thelemites and like all these people doing their own different thing than what I do. But it's like, we have that similar vocabulary most of the time about like energy work and ritual and like, you know, how we kind of feel that it works. Mm. But it was a very, and I feel like I have to keep saying that like, this is, was a very limited experience. So I'm not an expert on this whatsoever, but it was very interesting to experience it where it was like, you know, if I was instructed to do like a cleansing bath with some like coconut shards and like egg, um, what you call? I know how to say it in Spanish, but not English. What is it? Um, oh my God. Like the crushed up eggshells, um, like, you know, and coconut milk and goat's mm. milk, all these things like to put on my head, to do a cleansing or whatever. Like there was, 
there was no instructions of like, you know, pray this, pray that, visualize this, visualize that, like, you know, visualize the thing leaving your, like any bad vibes leaving your body. None of that. It was just like, do the thing and like, you're good. And I found that so interesting, like so, not in a bad way. It was just like, yeah, wow, yeah. cool. Like that's a really different way to. Because it's like work. the magic is in the intention. It's rather than doing the, it properly yeah yeah doing the particular actions properly at the right time mm. with, you know the right this the right that I found that was fascinating and I'm sure you know even within that practice like everyone's gonna be teaching it and practicing it a little yeah. bit differently I'm sure just like within the western context it's did you find it any less powerful as a cleansing ritual to do it that way Absolutely not. It was, mm. it packed a punch, which I think is part of why I found it fascinating is yeah. it really was transformative, even though it was working in a completely different way than how I tend to work. In fact, it's almost the opposite of what we were saying at the beginning, wasn't it? Exactly. I'm like, oh, you know, use this or, you know, whatever you feel called to. And they're like, this, yeah. this, this, done. That's it. And I suppose Absolutely. there's almost a... Fascinating. A safety in that though isn't it it's like oh that's just the way it's done that's what I'm going to trust but when we have yeah. to trust ourselves again it's like oh maybe I should use this or this and there's that little bit of if you don't trust yourself fully and I think mm. that's where I sometimes find myself questioning the way that I yeah. teach because I'm like oh I tell people just to trust themselves because I find it so easy to trust myself but that's because I've got decades of experience doing it how unfair is it of me to go to someone here's your options <laughs> pick what yeah, works yeah, yeah. and th I think there's great oh. power in that when people are ready but I sometimes think oh sometimes it's nice to have like you know when you're learning to cook to have a recipe book to follow and as you get better you're like oh I don't like that flavor I'm gonna substitute it for this like yesterday I was making cake for my little boy I had no vanilla so I added lacuma instead um, <laughs> you know and I'm like oh that's kind of vanilla-y that'll be fine and because I know how the things work I could do that you know, and I think it's the same in our magic, which actually is a question I've asked other people, but I haven't asked you. What is your mm. definition of magic? What is magic to you? Oh, man. Okay. So what magic is to me is the uniting of many wills in the movement towards a particular goal. Mm. And when you talk about many wills, you mean yourself and be the my, energy around yeah. you? Yeah, you got it. So it'd be like me and it would be whatever, like magical objects or objects mm. in general or spirits that I'm collaborating with in the ritual. It would be the candles, it'd be the incense, it'd be like the lighting, it would be whatever spirits I'm hanging out with and asking to kind of help out <laughs> with the thing. So it's I do see it as this inherently collaborative thing, even if mm. it's just me, the only person in the room. Like I do, I don't see it as just being me with my will imposing that on other beings. I see it as we're all in this relationship together, working together towards this thing. Yes, this thing might have yeah. been my, my idea, but we're all here kind of consensually working towards that particular outcome. That's kind of how I see it. Yeah. And how did that kind of way of magic working for you evolve is it something that is that what you were taught in that spiritualism as you grew up or is it something that you've learned or just something that's just come from experience for you yeah that's a me thing to be honest I never read that shit anywhere mm. um and within spiritualism they it's very kind of like purist religion so they don't do tarot cards they don't right. do 
any of that stuff. They don't do witchcraft at all. It's it's full on just like your body is the conduit for spirit. And that is kind of how they see things. And like, they're very pure about it. And so the, this whole like philosophy that I have around magic and animism and beings and objects like that's for sure a me thing that's come from my brain like i never read that anywhere i'm sure other people have come to it independently of course as tends to happen with these things but that's that's not something that i kind of came up with due to like reading anything or being taught it it was more just like this is my perspective and it was a perspective i didn't see reflected in a lot of witchy books when i was on the come up so yeah, because I see like a lot of witchy books talk about using. We're going to use this. We're mm. going to use that. And yeah. like I've never really vibed with that. And I also don't vibe with like worship or using because it's, you know, it's hierarchy above and hierarchy below is weird to me. So mm. I see it as we're working with. But again, I think it taps into that kind of thing we like alluded to earlier. And it's like that inner power. Whereas we have mm. such a corrupt relationship with power, we see it as power over or dominance rather than that power from within. Almost like, you know, mm. there's no hierarchy in a circle, <laughs> except there is a lot in, in those kind of circles. I know exactly. But, I know what you mean, yeah. yeah, yeah. But it is, and isn't it? It's like working with rather than like doing it for with. me. Yeah. Yeah, working with. And I think within that context of working with there, it doesn't mean that everyone is contributing equally. It doesn't mean that everyone is equally present or equally skilled or equally whatever, but there's the emphasis instead of like this kind of up down thing, there's emphasis instead on the collaboration itself. Yeah. So if I work with, I don't know, someone who's more fancy than me, let's just say we're still working with each other. Yeah. If I'm working with a student, let's say we're still working with each other, that's the emphasis. Yeah. And so for me, relationships again, isn't it? Exactly. So that for me has always kind of been the thing that I emphasize in kind of how I perceive all this stuff to work. And so is that what you've written about in your current book? I know that you said in there there was, you know, a bit on like how Uh, you work with things. I mean, what, how did, how did your latest book come about? Yeah, you know what? The latest book is kind of like the magic 101 that I wish I had when I was mm. like 10 years old. Like, I always had this dream of writing a non denominational guide to witchcraft. It's like the way that I've written the book, it's like anyone from like any background, any orientation can get a lot of how to out of it. Like, yeah. I've written it in a way where people can be working with gods and goddesses, people can be atheist, people can be Buddhist, people can be Christian. It doesn't fucking matter. They can still get enough out of what I've written to understand how does energy function? How do I work with energy to do stuff? And like, why, why, why do it that way? Um, Cause that was always really important to me because I felt so many books were just, you know, very Wicca light, even though they were not actually books about Wicca. Mm. And so whenever, like when I was younger and kind of like reading all those books, I had to like un-Wicca-ify it in my head and be like, okay, so I don't, I'm not working with this kind of like God-Goddess duality. So how am I going to frame this instead? And I kind of had to like reverse engineer it and then ask myself these like big cosmological questions and that is like it was annoying so I kind of wrote (laughs) a book to kind of be like 
the non-denominational mm. like witchcraft guide in a sense like it's you know in some ways it's it's not like there isn't a huge list of correspondences and that's intentional um because i think you know there's so many other books that do that and like whatever people can use google but i <laughs> wanted something that was yeah non-denominational for me that was the most important thing that focuses on the technique and the mm. methodology because like you know the crayon is still the same color we can put different labels on it but ultimately the color is the same yeah focus to the want to call it. yeah whether yeah. we want to call it this whether we want to call it that who cares if i want to call it like spirit and someone else wants to call it god like who gives a shit at the end of the day like we're still going to be practicing magic with the same type of energetics the yeah. same type of techniques in my opinion and so i wanted to really just fill that space because i don't really know of any books that kind of do it in this way and then i guess to just sassily talk about the contemporary context of like human interaction and like weirdness like that was also important to me to put in there and then what else is important one of the first chapters is about people connecting with themselves as well so there's mm. like who are you like where have you been like what is your background like what is your ancestry what is your family is it chosen like are you adopted like what is going on with you like how much information do you have access to and also acknowledging a lot of people don't have access to any of that information for a variety of reasons mm. and just kind of encouraging folks who fit into that situation to be like you can still practice in an authentic way even if you don't know shit about your heritage yeah you know what i mean because i think there is and i'm glad to see that there is this kind of uh movement towards ancestor practice right now in the community i think that's great at the same time like a lot of people don't know at all like what yeah. their heritage is or they just don't have access to that and i think those people should still have access to feeling like they belong in community i think that's huge um and i also felt called to speak on this whole like appropriation blah 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 kind of stuff that we see swirling around um you know so we do see a lot of people saying that you can't practice abc if you are xyz fill in yeah. the blank yeah but yeah. i just don't think that's it's not the vibe <laughs> like i think it's oversimplified and so i talk a lot about sincerity and rigor and integrity and intention and what what does it mean to walk with respect in your path and i just i think these conversations are just so overly simplified to the point where i've seen people arguing that it's cultural appropriation to eat sushi if you're not japanese like it's just the most ridiculous thing oh wow okay. like you know like one of the examples i use in my book is like don't be so open-minded that your brain falls out of your head <laughs> like you know and like i feel like that's a problem right now mm -hmm. is everyone wants to have that belonging you know that feeling of togetherness that sometimes people forget to think critically and like touch in with their body and how do they feel and what yeah feels yeah it's interesting yeah it's no it is really interesting because i think i, I, I generalizing again mm. that we see such swings from we had like everything was like it had to be provable it had to be logical it had to be like stand like rigor and then it was like oh no get rid of all of that we're only going to be intuitive and it's like people we need both it's like whether it's, both, totally. you know we need the and the logic without sorry, the intuition yeah the intuition and the logic because without one or the other you lose access to a whole load of information 
And, you know, yeah. it's like whatever we do, we seem to like swing. And I'm, I'm hoping we like the pendulum's coming back into the middle to go, oh, yeah, I can have an intuitive insight, reason how it's going to like unfold, put it into action, then use my intuition if that's right, and then tweak it with my logic and, you know, and to have both. And it's like what you're saying. It's like we can go so far one way. I love that. Open-minded that your brain falls out. It's like, yes, it's like we need both. Discernment is a wonderful thing, a skill that we we need more of. And Absolutely. You yeah, you mentioned um, energy earlier. And that's one of the things I I personally think, and I'd be interested in your views on this. I think, our, I guess for want of a better phrase, like our energetic health, our energetic hygiene mm. is one of the most important things that we need to develop as people because I think Absolutely. it stops us getting swept up in the swinging all one way because, you know, when we Absolutely. are yeah. merged energetically with other people's expectations and judgments and we're not, I, being British, I love this phrase, but I do believe we need to be full of ourselves, like in a really healthy way, not a arrogant. I way. agree. But, I agree. But we, ha- we have to know who we are. We have to know what's important to us because otherwise we can get swept away by other people's judgments expectations and like you say before you know it you're going oh we can't do that and you're like have you really thought about why is it because you're fitting in because your energy has been so you're so depleted in yourself that you've picked up everyone else's stuff without stopping to go actually what's my philosophy what are my beliefs and I think energetic hygiene is one of the most important things that we need to be much more aware of especially in days of social media and we're just scrolling and picking up all of that energy and all those thoughts even if we've just seen it for a second but your aunt Mabel shouting about something political again that you don't agree with and you've just like it's just tweaked your energy and on to the next thing and on to the next thing what are your thoughts around like energetic health and hygiene oh my god I could not agree with you more like I think it's so important and it's funny because I feel like it's something that a lot of newbies like want to skip because they think it's boring it's not like a spell or whatever, quote unquote. Yeah, yeah, it's not exciting. Like, I was like that. I'm just exciting. like the old granny of the face of yeah. the you know, witch world. It's like, got to get the foundations in place. You've got to look health and safety. And that literally means like open your windows for smoke, not to let the bad air out, but to let the smoke out so you don't hurt your own lungs. <laughs> and it's like, I do, I do feel like the boring witch sometimes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's, it's so funny. Like even in my tarot course, like the whole first module of it is all about energy work Mm. and I'm always telling my students like don't skip that I know you're gonna want to because it seems boring and irrelevant but it's not it's like actually it's everything and I feel like this energetic hygiene thing is so crucial Mm. it's it explains so much and I think it's just an important skill that it never gets old and never goes out of style it's something that we always need to kind of keep up to date in my opinion yeah it's huge um And I think even aside from, you know, the safety stuff, it's also about, oh God, so many things. Like it helps establish that internal locus of control, you know? And I think a lot of people's anxiety comes from when that, like that locus of control is external. And so having those energetic boundaries can help that kind of be solidified. Um, But the other side of it, interestingly, is... One of the most common things I have to deal with from like newbies or students or whatever we want to call people is this confusion or a difficulty in distinguishing between intuition and their own neuroticism. Yes. It's so interesting. And like, I find 
like these energetic skills and like the energetic hygiene and really getting fine-tuned with our energy practice can really help us discern what is what is what mm-hmm. which yes. can be so grounding and anchoring not every voice person is your intuition people (laughs) please you know it's just like oh so many times people like oh it was my intuition and I'm like how did you know that and they're like because it was so exciting I just knew and I'm like oh that's not your intuition that's fear disguised it's too emotional you know and it's like when you like you say when you can have that understanding of actually how your intuition speaks to you whether it has a preference of how it communicates with you like a particular sense it changes everything rather than every internal voice is not a message an intuition or guidance and again it's it's that it's just the nuance isn't it absolutely people are like oh yeah my intuition told me and I'm like absolutely or was it that voice that you've internalized so much you think it's your intuition but actually it's your mom criticizing you from when you were six you know and it's yeah and I think that's part of why magic and this whole piece is is so powerful or has the potential to be so powerful Mm. even on that psychological level of like understanding how to discern okay my intuition it hits me you know like a brick from the sky but when Mm. I'm anxious it feels like nausea or like it feels like a headache or it feels like a particular type of tingle or whatever and actually learning to parse the difference between things that might be kind of similar just to slow down the energetic noticing yeah to figure out like what exactly is the topography of that situation like that's why i think it's like crucial to figure absolutely. out absolutely was it a dopamine hit was it your intuition hmm. yeah <laughs> and but i think for me the magic the witchcraft going back to something you said earlier it's like it's all about relationship relationship with ourselves how we how we relation with the world around us you know how we interact with the world around us how we have relationships with things whether it's a candle whether it's a crow you know and I think we learn a lot about ourselves in that journey and I think that's where the real power is not in knowing how to burn a yellow candle on a Wednesday and invoke this person which is still great and you know I I find a lot of that fun and you know really really powerful but I think the real magic is in the relationship we have with ourselves, the confidence the esteem the you know the power the the calling back our power from wherever mm. we've given it away to I think that's where the real magic lies for me I agree and I feel like I, I feel called to teach on this as like in the upcoming time like this idea of like magic as just being like and this is kind of like veering a bit into like the manifestation-y space which Mm. I know a lot of people are like "Mm, I don't know but it's like I do feel over time like as my practice has really evolved like sometimes my like quote-unquote magic is not even like me lighting candles and doing shit it's just completely shifting my own energy and how yeah. I am in the world. And now that's just kind of become more baseline. I don't even have to really like try. There's no doing, there's just being. Yeah. And then through being, certain things and experiences and people are attracted to that energy. And to me, that's fascinating. Because it's it's a little it's working in a little bit of a different way than like what people usually are thinking about when they're talking about magic and ritual. Mm. But I think there is something fascinating about about that. 
whole thing. And I know it sounds very new age, but I'm I'm vibing on it right now. Oh no, you're speaking my best. language. I'm like, okay, mm, cool. I'm totally there. <laughs> I feel that. But yeah. I, I, but again, just like as you just said, you're like, mm, feels like it's all going manifestation. And like you know, I, I even wrote my book. It's like. I don't teach manifestation how people usually talk it. In fact, I don't really like that word, but you might hear me use it just, but you know, and it's kind of kind of like, because that's a word people know how to use, you know, but it's not in that traditional sense. It is that really? like that aligning of your own energy. And it's almost like energetic mastery of knowing Absolutely. yourself and your intuition and the relationships that just happens to then align those things around you, which happens Absolutely. to look like manifesting what you desire but the process about it is very different it's very different it's very different and I find it interesting I do think it actually is like way more of an advanced practice than people tend to think that it is like it took me a long time to figure it out to be honest like I said decades for me (laughs) yeah yeah it took me a long time and it's I feel like manifestation and like law of attraction and all of that gets Mm. it's talked about as like this basic like idiotic thing but I actually feel like it is quite hard until you get to a certain point and then it's like okay cool it's it's fascinating like I think it's a different way of working with energy at the end of the day I think my issue if that would be the right word with the like aligning with like manifestation as it's traditionally taught Mm. is it's very much like oh high vibes only and I'm like oh to me that that doesn't feel helpful it's like all of us in all of our all of our humanness rather than just absolutely there is a there is a place for being very mindful with our thoughts of not allowing them to become like overly negative but if you have a bad week I don't feel it's going to bring lots of shit your way or if something bad has happened to you I don't I don't believe it's because you've done something wrong you know sometimes life is just a bit mean (laughs) absolutely no I agree with that I kind of feel like the good vibes only is I feel like people make more of a big deal about that than people who teach manifestation actually do mm. like I feel like that's more of like a trope like in pop culture that people think yeah. about but I don't think there's actually any like manifestation book that I've ever read that's like don't ever acknowledge any bad emotion like it's pretty interesting yeah. like one of the earliest books on manifestation I forget what which one. There's two on my shelf that I'm thinking of in particular. It might be Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill, I yeah. think. Yeah. But what's so interesting is like if that's the book I'm thinking of, there's like two that it could be this one or it could be the other old school one. Where like literally there's like a whole chapter on like how to apply for jobs. Like literally. Mm. And it's like very practical. It's like, here's how you network, here's how you do this. So like literally, even these old school manifestation books from like, I don't even know, 1920s. When was that written? I can't remember. Yeah. It's like but like, um Florence Shovel Shin. It's like very and, like practical. your word is your wand. Yeah. It's, it is like, you know, you have to be mindful of your thoughts. But I have had people come to me and say, oh, Rebecca, did this thing happen to me? Because, you know, I, I haven't really been believing in myself for like the last month. And I'm like, okay, let's just reframe that, shall we? <laughs> let's just look at not blaming Absolutely. ourselves and not being where we want to be. And I think, unfortunately, sometimes we see this in, I, I can't, not the magical community that I've come across, but I'm sure it's maybe in there somewhere. But in um, when people are selling high-end programs, there can be a lot of blaming and shaming. Yeah. It's like, oh, this this hasn't worked for you because, oh, you've been like super negative about this. And it's like, I think we have to step away from that. 
and hopefully it's not as prevalent as like you say we are in yeah. echo chambers sometimes aren't we and it's like you know I know the people that come to me about certain things it's like oh that seems but if I, I'm sure if I asked the people at the school gate they'd be like what are you talking about Rebecca <laughs> you know that doesn't happen but yeah it's interesting a- right yeah I don't know because it's like I do sell I guess what some people would consider to be a high-end cost program but I really do think that the mindset thing is so important and like I used to be super negative, like in my like late teens and early twenties. Like I did, yeah, but that's different like, from having an odd one. negative or a down day Absolutely. because something shits happened at work Absolutely. that day and you feel grumpy about it. Absolutely, yeah, that's but very do, different. Absolutely, but I do think that like being grumpy. Like I think some people are more grumpy about things grumpy than they should cool be. You know what <laughs> yeah. I mean? It's, they yeah, have yeah, like yeah. a grumpiness, yeah. like a grumpiness orientation that is like yeah. unnecessary. So it's like this is something I've only realized like as I have gotten older and like more dot like dove kind of more deep into like mindset work and limiting beliefs and all of that. It's become a lot more clear to me over time how so many people like even people like I know in my life or whatever like have such a tendency to just see the negative in everything and it's something I didn't even notice maybe it's like exhausting. Five, five years ago yeah. I didn't even notice but now I'm like oh my god like there's some people I can't even like have a conversation mm. with anymore and it's not that anything bad has happened to them per se it's just that or- their whole orientation is such a I don't know. It, it's just a particular way of being, I suppose. And they just haven't shifted. And I'm not talking yeah. about anyone in particular, but like those folks like have not taken it upon themselves to shift their beliefs about themselves and what's possible for them. But that comes back to responsibility though, doesn't it? It does. It and does. it's like, going, oh, I, yeah, it's like yeah. I can take responsibility for whatever. I might not like it. And I'm giving myself permission to feel all the things, but I'm going to take responsibility and move through it, which I think is very different from just Absolutely. that white noise of grumpiness. I love that. I'm going to use that word grumpy Absolutely. more often. It's interesting. I do mm. think that grumpiness is like, we're talking so much of, like throughout this conversation about like feelings of agency and empowerment and like mm. self-trust. And I do think that when people do have that negative mindset of like grumpiness or whatever it happens to be, I do think it's, it's a symptom of a lack of self-trust yeah. and a lack of connection to their own agency and their own realization that they can have the impact to change their lives. They have the power to make choices that change yeah. their lives and bringing it back to magic. Ultimately, I think that's the beauty of magic and what magic is really all about. It's about how we have choices to yeah. change our lives and like how cool is that and I, I think for me one of the the longest lessons <laughs> as, if, as if knowing that I just needed permission to be with me wasn't long well long enough is I'd done this training course when I was quite young and they had said something that really really annoyed me I, being British don't do annoyed very often but you know when I do I do it particularly well and um they had said to me you're choosing to feel that and I was like how dare you? I'm and I, in my head, because I was far too shy and far too British in my head. I was like, how dare you? You know, in my mind, I was like, they made me feel like that. They did this, you know, and it was all like blame, 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 blame. And I was having none of it. I was like, they don't even know what they're talking about. <laughs> this person teaching, no idea. I'm not, I wouldn't, why would I choose to feel this? And then it was about two years later, <laughs> bit of a fast learner. I was like, 
oh shit, I was choosing to feel like that. And it was like the biggest like shift in my whole life that ever happened. And it's like everything changed from that moment on. And I was just like walking down the street one day and it just clicked into place. And I was like, oh my God. And yet I don't think you can, I mean, obviously I tell people that, but I know it's one of those things that you can know it and then you know Mm -hmm. it, like viscerally know it. And that changes everything, you know? And it's it's like, oh, wow, I do get to make those changes. Absolutely. And so, yeah, which, but again, but the good thing is if you are (laughs) white noise grumpy, one small shift is going to change everything. You know, so actually that's the good news. If you find yourself feeling particularly grumpy. Um, but yeah, I, I just oh, I just want to step away from like, any kind of that energy of, oh, well, you you had a bad thought on Tuesday. So of course that thing happened to you on Wednesday when you stubbed your toe. Actually, that probably you did, probably did stub your toe because you were grumpy. But you know what I mean? It's like <laughs> there, there can be this energy of blame that goes on. And I just, I just when we're looking at manifestation and people getting what they want, I think there's so much more than mindset is a huge piece of it. Mm-hmm. but also it's like systems and you know societies and support and structure that yeah the mindset is crucial and we need to step away from blame because there's so many other things that are involved with that too I think it's interesting you know? yeah not to like get, get off on a tangent but I do feel like blame is not useful mm-hmm. generally speaking so it's like even if people do believe that like they whatever had a vibe and attracted something bad it's like it's not useful to spend any time there yeah it's kind of how i feel it's like okay what next exactly. what are we gonna do wasted with? energy exactly it's like, it's like and <laughs> yeah exactly so it's like Move. what next? yeah yeah, yeah what yeah. next what next and i do think that blame it creates a freezing in the body in a way like a paralysis mm whether that's blaming you know like a kind of false blame or whatever through like a misunderstanding of the law of attraction or whether it's a blame on systems and structures and like isms i think either Mm. way whichever direction that blame is going ultimately i find it disempowering and i think it denies agency personal agency a little bit too much obviously you can tell agency is like my big thing i really (laughs) believe in it i believe in it like where there's a will, there's a way. I really believe that. Like people have done incredible things. So many people yeah. have done incredible things, like moved mountains. And I think it goes back to that idea of orientation. Like, what do we choose to focus on? Like, do we choose to focus on all of the bad stories, or do we choose to focus on, well, this person had all this adversity, and so then they accomplished this. I'm gonna yeah. choose to be inspired by that and believe that I can do it like they did, as opposed to believe like you know, someone from, let's say, that same circumstance, but falling into, let's say, an unpleasant situation. We can choose where to linger. And it doesn't mean that we ignore all bad things ever. Like, obviously, we have to kind of feel it and like shake it out of our body. But I do think that that shaking needs to like end at a particular point. (laughs) So that we can like yes. move on it's, yeah it's like that continual searching isn't it at some point you yeah. have to take action and just go okay I have enough let's do this absolutely in again in my book I was talking about philosophy and my editor said why don't you share your philosophy and life and I suddenly went oh that's a really good question what is my philosophy and I was like you know the first thing that came through and I was like oh yeah and it's true and it's it kind of talks to what you just said I do believe there is always a way mm. now I then I go on to say that that's the way that I like to show up in life. Whatever obstacle comes my way, there's a way. 
And if it turns out there's not, and I can't do it, I'm like, great, well, I've learned something. But also I would still rather approach it with the idea that there is always a way, even if I can't do it. (laughs) Because I have that that like philosophy like oh wait there is a way I can get help or learn it or get support or go okay maybe I can't I'd rather approach any obstacle with the attitude of there's going to be a way to sort this out rather than going oh no this is too overwhelming I don't know where to begin so again it's like (laughs) it's a very like high vibe philosophy but it's it has that like but it doesn't matter if I don't do it either it's just like that's kind of my attitude you mentioned philosophy earlier and that's something sorry go on yeah no, I was going to say, I love that. I agree with that. Because it's like either way, whether people mm. succeed or fail, like having that attitude going in, there's going to be a better result regardless. Yeah, I believe so. Yeah. And so it's like, whatever. And yeah, not to go off on a tangent about that, but I agree is the short version. <laughs> well, I was about yeah. to say, you <laughs> talked about your philosophy early and like how you've always loved philosophy and that sad in you. It's just like, oh, mm-hmm. big thinking. What is your current personal philosophy, or maybe you've had one like your entire life? Is there something? I mean, obviously, it might be pages oh and pages long, but perhaps yeah. there is something that's just like, oh yeah, actually, that's how I like to view view life right now. It's so interesting because I feel like, uh, yeah, I could write a whole book about that, mm. I guess. And my first book, which body is an answer to that question in terms of like magical and ontological philosophy, but otherwise. Um, how to answer this such a good question um I guess I just suppose I'm showing up and I believe in showing up in a very high vibe way that sounds weird Mm. I'm going to deconstruct that a little bit because I don't really like the word high and low like I think even though I use it in my most recent book but that's another story I explain why I do that in the book (laughs) it's a heuristic it's a useful way to have a conversation even though the words are not perfect but that being said like I think I'm just on a bit of a a vibe right now where I just don't have any patience for bullshit. That sounds very weird. So it's kind of hard to sum up in like a sentence. But I don't know. That sums up quite nicely. I'm in a space where it's <laughs> like I want what I want, and I'm in the movement towards a variety of goals and a variety of ways that I want my life to be. And so I'm not in a space of making excuses or settling because I believe that I believe that the the stuff that I want to have occurred people I want to meet etc I believe it's all possible and so you know I'm not in a space of settling so I'll give you an example like just to kind of concretize it for people you you knew Um, I was going to ask anyway yeah not like a magical example at all mm. this is like a real right. world i guess example but for me mm-hmm. it's all intertwined i say that's magic anyway yeah i think it's all mm. intertwined but i had like i'm single and dating i had like the best first date of my life like a few days ago um but i find out this person is like separated not divorced mm-hmm And so, you know, a five years ago version of me probably would have been like, okay, well, yeah, of course I'm going to keep seeing this person. The connection is like, feels very like soulmate level vibe. So of course I'm going to make an exception and like, you know, not worry about this whole separated, not divorced thing. I'm just going to keep in this vibe because it feels so good and it feels so right. But me now, I was like, you know what? Like, no. Yeah. (laughs) I can't hang out with you again until that divorce is finalized. And like, that sucks for everybody, but 
my energy is not as such where I'm going to entertain something like that. It would feel disrespectful to me, Mm -hmm. my energy, my goals, my vision for my life to put myself in a situation which is not 100% the thing. And it comes so, back to buzzwords of integrity and alignment, but absolutely. it's very true though, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And I did talk to some people about it and, you know, some of my friends were like, whatever, just, mm-hmm. you know, give him a chance. Like he's separated. It's fine. And I kept coming back to like my own pendulum of like, that's not energetically like what is in alignment with my vision. Like yeah. I want is like someone who's energetically hundred percent available and if someone still has this legal commitment, doesn't matter how well we get along, doesn't matter how like soulmate alignment that feels at the end of the day, there is still a kind of energetic and legal tie elsewhere. And so yeah. that doesn't feel aligned. And so in my mind, it would be giving into scarcity mentality and fear if I was to keep seeing this person. And so I'm choosing to mm. believe that the universe is abundant full of amazing people who I could feel similarly with and to just move along. Yeah. And so and th- it, there's a fearlessness. I think mm. that it's necessary to live authentically and with integrity and like a belief that the universe is providing and that there is more like if something doesn't work out, it's okay. There is more. There is There's more. always more. There's other options. And I don't mean that to like to say that people are disposable. Of course, I don't believe people are disposable. But I do find sometimes people use fear and scarcity mentality to contort themselves into being okay with something that is out of alignment for them, whether that's love or whatever. Yeah. And I think those are patterns that we've learned since we were children you know, to, to please people or to be accommodating or not to make a fuss. I mean, certainly in the UK, those are phrases that are very much, you know, ingrained, ingrained really? in us. And I think, you know, again, obviously not to think people are disposable, but also to know that there are plenty of opportunities coming your way. And that was like your best state of your life so far, you know, and maybe exactly. the next one is going to be even more amazing. Even better. Yeah. And exactly. It, yeah. It's like yeah. I, I went to New York to visit. I was seeing a friend and I didn't do any of the tourist things at all. And th- we went to Central Park and had lunch one day, but you know, we I didn't go and see any of the sites because I was there to see my friend. And it was, it was, it felt like such an abundant experience because I knew if I wanted to mm. go back and do the tourist things, I could do that another time. And Absolutely. it's like if if it felt aligned to do it rather than queuing like four hours to walk up a you know monument. Um and I, I don't know, it feels that same kind of thing. It's like again, if you have for me, it's like that mindset of like, oh things just get better or you know other opportunities are coming my way you stay open to them but if you're like oh that was terrible I'm I'm never gonna have another date like that it's like you close yourself down to all the magic that's available to you that's how I would see those things I agree and I agree even with your example too of like that travel experience and if you were approaching that as like oh my god this is the only time I'm ever going to come here and like Mm. I didn't get the chance to do ABC like you would have had that same like physical experience of doing the physical things that you did but your like mental takeaway and your emotional relationship to those things is like night and day like whether you choose to be all miserable about it and scarce about it or whether you choose to see it as like the beautiful opening that it was that's always a choice. Like, how do we want to orient? How do we want to 
react to our circumstances. And like, there's always any opportunity, any time of the day to notice something shitty Mm -hmm. or to notice something bad. But there's also an opportunity to notice the amazing things of the world of the day, even if it's the worst day ever. And so I think it is just this kind of practice. And I do think it is a practice specifically of like that mindset and that orientation. And like, it sounds so cheesy, but I do feel like to relate it back to magic, like it is this magical practice that has even gotten me to this point of perceiving it in this way that we're talking about. It was like, for me, magic, like having magic as a way of life and a way of seeing the world, like everything becomes more amazing. That's why I love magic. It's like, I feel I I live my life with awe and wonder. And like exactly. potential. Yeah. It's like I, I flew in in and out of Newark. I think that's how you say it. And the lady said, Oh, how did you find it? Where have you been? I said, Oh, I've been into in New York City. And she said, Oh, how did you find it? And I was like, Oh my God, I had a great time. She goes, How did you find the people? I said, they were amazing, chatting on the subway. Don't get that in London. You know, <laughs> and it was just like everywhere I went, people were really lovely, you know, asking me if I knew the Queen. Yes, of course. Um, you know, when she was alive. I was like, Yes, of course, she's my neighbor. Um, you know, and it was just really, and she was like, Really? Because I've never heard anyone say nice things about New York people. And I was just like, Oh, but that's kind of what I expect, you know. So that's what my navigation system like hunts out and finds exactly. and finds all those like lovely people that want to talk to me about being from yep. England and being neighbors with the Queen. Um 100 yeah. percent Like this makes me think of like one of the really famous definitions of magic is changing consciousness at will. Mm. And so like what is more magical then than shifting consciousness from miserable and grumpy? to optimistic and joyful yeah like, i feel like a lot of magic people in the community like forget that basic ass transformation do you know what i mean it's like yeah. they're so concerned about like these kind of material transformations which i think is important very important yeah. but there's also like changing consciousness at will that's also shifting the mindset being able to yeah. change that if you want to, if people want to wallow and be miserable a little bit, that's totally healthy sometimes, like in a finite little space. Yeah. But Whenever I, I find myself doing that, I'm like, right, lady, you've got like two minutes. That's yeah. it. You, or you can have an hour to wallow. Like, exactly. And, and, and then I find myself laughing at myself going, oh my God, I'm so, this is so ridiculous. And like, I'm just like cooched myself yeah. right out of it, you know, and it's like, oh, exactly. okay, back to normal again. Yeah. And there's magic there, I think, you know, oh, even though what we're really I talking about is like, it's like psychology. It's really what we're talking about, but it's also but magic though, energy. Yeah. Exactly. It's yeah. like shifting the energy. Mm-hmm. And so whenever I encounter like magic people who are like complaining about everything and like are hate their lives, I'm always like, Oh, you're not really doing mm-hmm. it, but I hope you do. You know, like, I hope yeah. you do find like the power of this practice as it can change people's lives, like psychologically, mentally, energetically, materially, mm. Like there is so much potency in all of this stuff that we're talking about. Yeah. And just like, you know what I mean? It's like to some listeners, it might not sound like we're actually talking about magic, but it's like this is that like it all is. I'm like, this is the heart of my magic. And someone said to me the other day, they're like, yeah, you're more of a, um, 
like a like an everyday kind of like folks magic person, aren't you, Rebecca? Rather than like you know the like an occult person. I was like, oh, I'd get kicked out of every occult thing ever, you know, because I am. I'm like, oh, let's find the magic in this. Let's find the symbolism. How can we move this forward? How can we shift things? And for me, that's the real magic. So yeah, everyone, everyone who's listening to this, they'll be on our conversation. They'll be like, oh yeah, because for me, it makes it accessible for people, not something that other people do. It's something yeah. that we can just when the kids are crying or you're late for work or you're stuck in traffic there's always a moment to shift and bring in that magic and even as you were talking I was like oh it's really clarifying for me because it's like yeah for me some of the most important parts of magic are our energy like our own sovereignty our own energy our own responsibility and our and our thoughts the attitude we show up because like those attitudes then dictate what our choices are going to be those choices dictate what our habits are going to be those habits create our life and it's like that's the that's the magic you know it just becomes embedded you know so I cannot agree with you more about like all of this like yeah 100% aligned (laughs) (laughs) I don't know where I thought we were going to be at the beginning of this conversation but yes there is someone else out there like this um so what is like one okay two questions one thing you would like the audience, audience listeners to know, mm. like a piece of wisdom you'd like, oh, if I wish everyone could know this. And what's one thing you'd like them to do? And that could be go purchase your latest book. Oh, <laughs> you know, well, it doesn't I, have to I be like, oh, light a candle. <laughs> so, but as many as you like. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Um, what do I want people to know? Yeah, something that like you wish you had known like closer to the beginning. Mm. Oh, I love this question. Hmm. It's so hard to choose one thing. Okay, you can have two if you like. <laughs> I, hilariously, like I think it's the important uh, importance of doing. Mm. Importance of actually doing the thing. Because I think a lot of people talk about magic and like, you know, theorize it in their brain, but they don't actually, you know, get up off their ass or whatever it happens to be and like try it. And so I, I really encourage people to take like a playful attitude yeah, to try things out and like not be so afraid of exploding. Like you won't explode. It will be fine. You know what I mean? Like it'll be okay. Don't worry about it. Like if something goes bad, like send me a DM, I'll help you Mm -hmm. fuck yourself. Like it's okay. Like, I think just that experimentation and the play and the openness is really important. And this is a non-magic thing. Well, I guess everything is a magic thing, but as you up-level yourself, your life, your mindset, and achieve more, people who are not on the wavelength will fall off. Mm. And that is going to suck. And it's yeah. not going to be who you think, but it's going to be worth it because what's coming next is so much better. And I think that's a really, really important thing. Because often people are like, I seem to have lost all my friends. And I'm like, they weren't the right people or not for the next stage of your life. They were perfect for where they were. And now it's like we're creating the space to have more. And to know that, again, you've not done anything wrong. This is just part of the the process. Yeah. It's the chapter. And understanding that certain people, like, what is the saying? It's like a reason. Reason, a season of a a lifetime. Yeah. Mm. And so you know, I've had those like stints of loneliness, like as different friend groups have come and go, but it's all been great. 
because I've just up-leveled myself so continuously. And so I would just encourage people to not be afraid to grow and to challenge themselves, even if it means they lose everything they think that matters to them. Yeah. Because I do think, yes, no, I, I absolutely agree with that. And I think sometimes when life is good or fine, it's quite hard to create change. Mm-hmm. when when you're suddenly like oh my god I'm all by myself it's like you're not being influenced by anyone else you actually get to come back to yourself your vision your alignment your philosophy and go oh my god I hadn't realized how much I'd been like following the crowd or just fitting into these other people so yeah Absolutely. if we can have that trust yeah. in ourselves to like navigate that process I think again Absolutely. everything changes doesn't it fabulous yeah. and the one you. thing you'd get people to do Oh, I'm going to be- obviously embrace the, the process. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm going to be selfish on this one. Please. I would encourage people to buy both my books. Mm-hmm. Uh, which Body is my first book's graphic novel, which is a kind of environmental witchy philosophy book. And then my second book, Curse and Cure. Uh, the subtitle is Magic for Real Life. Love it. It is good. Mm-hmm. And so it's exactly what kind of what we've been talking about. It's like great yeah. how to, but it's also musings on people and connections and community and there's some really great sample rituals at the end of that um but if people want to learn more things follow me on the instagrams sabrina m scott and then i have courses on magic and tarot and other shit so and all of the links will be in the show notes (laughs) (laughs) all in the show notes click 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 scroll down that's all (laughs) <laughs> well, it's been fabulous. Thank you so much. I'm glad we finally made this happen. Oh it was God. definitely the perfect time, wasn't it? <laughs> it was actually. So like cancellations, multiple cancellations on my part happened apparently for a reason. So and again, it's just like, it's been a no flat. problem at all. It's, but it is one of those things in life, isn't it? It's like just the process. Like, it doesn't yeah. always work out how we think it's going to look, but it always yeah. works out for the best yeah, in, in this case. Timing. Yes, I agree. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much. It's been so fun. Thank you.